Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we pray that it blesses you. For any information on this sermon or our other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Great to see you. Thanks, Jared. Hey, if we haven't met you yet, then I just want to say an especially big welcome to you. And like, we love meeting people, so please come and say hi to us. Um, yeah, make yourself known. We'd, we really want to get to know you. Hey, um, just something I wanted to do before we um, move on any further. And we did this in the first service, but we're going to do it again because I think doing it twice is really great. Um, I was talking to somebody during the week, and we were just doing some processing together of... Um, Jordan passing, and I just had a conversation with this person and said, um, you know, we haven't lost any ground in what we're believing for, for miracles, for healing, for breakthrough, and seeing this being a disease-free zone. You know, there's no ground lost. Yes, we didn't see the miracle that we wanted to see this side of heaven, but we haven't lost ground. We're not going to go back from here. We're going to keep stepping on. We're going to keep pressing forward and keep believing for this zone to be a cancer-free zone, to be a disease-free zone, sickness-free zone, in every sense of the word, mind, body, emotions, and also an allergy-free zone too. Now, this area is known for being like especially bad, living here and having allergies. And in our own family, we've had a pretty big battle with this in the last couple of weeks. But I'm believing for... This region being known for being low in allergy, as in zero allergy. You know, that's, that's what the kingdom of heaven on earth looks like. It brings change in our lives. It brings change to the planet as well. And that's what we're believing for seeing healing, total healing. So let's just all stand to our feet for a moment. We're just going to agree together for the fullness of the kingdom of heaven on earth, his will being released on this planet as it is in heaven. And we're just going to declare again well-being over this region. So let's just take a moment, just pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. God, we thank you that your will is for healing. We know that. We know that everyone that came to Jesus was healed. We know that your word says that by your wounds we are healed, that everything has already been done for healing, for health, for wholeness. And just together again this morning, we just stand on your word. We just stand in the conviction that you've put within our hearts on the faith you've given us, no matter how big or how small. And we just declare your goodness, your kingdom coming in this region as it is in heaven. We declare over this region again today that we are believing for a cancer-free zone that we are believing for a disease-free zone, an allergy-free zone, that we're believing for well-being in this region where minds, bodies, emotions are in perfect health and order. We thank you, Jesus, for your will being done in this place. We agree with you, Jesus. We agree with your finished work. Just while we're at it, if there's anybody with any sickness anywhere in your body, just lift your hand to Jesus, just as a, like a, just a stretching out your hand to him. Jesus, we just agree with these people right now for total restoration and renewal in their bodies. Everything being brought back to your original intent. As it is in heaven, let it be on earth. We speak to to um, any diseases, to any bacteria, any viruses, that anything harmful in anyone's body, and we command them to shrivel up and die. 
We release strength over every cell. We release well-being to muscles, to tendons, to, to ligaments, to, to blood systems, just to every single part of bodies. We just release the fullness of shalom peace, which means well-being in every way, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing out of order. We just declare the name of Jesus over every single person here today. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for just standing together on that. We're going to continue to do that. No, we don't go on the offensive. We're going to keep... Oh, sorry, let's try that again. We don't go on the defensive. We stay on the offensive. We're not going to shrink back. All right, to the message. Can we have that first picture up there? Now, first service people, you have to stay quiet on these questions. I know if I had prizes, you could have all won them, but... All right. That is actually a hot dog, if you can't tell. 12 inch. Now, what would you be prepared to pay for that hot dog? Just yell out a figure. Not first service people, anyone else. $20? The hot dog. How much would you pay to eat it? Any, any other, anything else other than 20? Is 20 a good price? We agree that's pretty good. 12, says Jared. Okay, I'll just tell you a little bit more detail about this hot dog. This is not a frankfurter in that hot dog. This is genuine real beef. Um, it is truffle-enriched, and it has a saffron-infused sauce. Okay, how much would you be prepared to pay for it now? Wow, $500. Awesome. 18 okay, $500 is getting closer. But you could buy this in a restaurant in America for the small price of US $2,300. Google said so. It must be true. Okay, try the next picture. What about this delicious-looking cup of coffee? Who likes coffee? Yeah, okay, what would you guys be prepared to pay for this? $10, $4, 4 Okay, 4 All right, let me tell you a little bit more about this cup of coffee, and you might be prepared to change your answer. So, to get this cup of coffee, the coffee beans, um, yes, there is an Indonesian animal called a civet. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. We looked it up. It looks a bit like a weasel. So, this animal eats the coffee beans, fully digests them, and then excretes them. And then you can have a delicious cup of coffee. So, now, how much would you be willing to pay for this cup of coffee? Come on, Kerry. Zero, okay, actually, no, this is worth $50 a cup. Yeah, no, I agree, no thanks to that. Okay, we're not actually going to talk about the price of food today, as interesting as that is. We're actually going to talk about the price of love, the fact that love costs. So we're in our series of Love Stronger, 21 Days of Love, and a couple of weeks ago, Jared shared on the fact that love is brave that it requires boldness. To love the way that Jesus did requires boldness. Um, last week, Glenn talked about the fact that love moves, that love always requires a delivery system and that God uses us as a delivery system. Now, that word love, it's a word that we use so much and often we can use it quite flippantly. Like I might say to Kathy, and this is true, Kathy, I love the way you dress. And that's a true statement. I'm using the word love there. And when I say that, I mean she looks amazing and I really like her style. And Glenn's not in the room, but I would say to Glenn, 
And I do say to Glenn, Glenn, I love you so much. And when I say that to him, I'm saying, Glenn, you're just the most incredible person on the planet. You mean everything to me, and I love you with my whole being. Another word, another way we use the word love. Or, take a moment, imagine your favourite dessert. Has everybody got a picture of their favourite dessert in their head? Yeah? Okay. Joe, what's your favourite dessert? If I said, what do you love the most? What would you love to eat? What's that? Oh, tiramisu. Okay. So Joe just said he loves tiramisu. We've used the word love there each time. But we're not actually going to talk about the way that we love food or the way that we love clothes today. We're talking about the kind of love that is selfless, the kind of love that is unconditional and that costs, the sort of love that looks like something and that will do whatever is needed to care for another person, the kind of love that shows kindness when it's not deserved and when it doesn't expect anything in return, love that gets its hands dirty, love that's not convenient, love that costs us something, maybe it's resources, time, could be comfort, our own well-being. You know, the first point this morning is that love carries a price tag. Now, everything in life costs something. No matter how big or how small, it might cost us, like I said, our time. It might cost us our money. But everything carries a price tag. And the way that we show love carries a price tag. Take, for example, an act of random kindness for a stranger. So last week, Glenn and I went on, no, last week, the week before, Glenn and I went on a coffee date to Coffee Works and... When we were leaving, we thought, all right, let's just bless somebody else with a coffee. So we ended up buying a coffee voucher, giving it to the barista and saying, hey, can you just give this to somebody who comes in after us just to bless them? So that really, you know, didn't cost us that much. Yes, there were some dollars, but there wasn't a whole lot of effort on our, point, on our part and not a big inconvenience. But take the fact of journeying with um, somebody through a really tricky situation or journeying with someone as they break free from an addiction. You know, someone going through a really hard time, that's going to cost us a lot more. And I was thinking back to our years in youth ministry. We'd catch up with different youth, mentoring them, praying for them. Maybe we were preparing messages, preaching to them, or worshipping with them, whatever it was. And, you know, and they would continue to just make mistakes. And then we'd do the whole process all over again and keep loving on them and mentoring them and catching up with them and... You know, sometimes there was thanks, sometimes there was none. Um, some of these people have journeyed well and they're in relationship with Jesus and doing well in life, others not so well. Um, and there was one girl I remember in particular, and we spent quite a lot of time with her and a lot of other people had as well, and she just kept making de- decisions, making choices that were harmful for her. And we just kept moving towards her though, kept loving her and so did a lot of other people. And She kept making those wrong decisions. I don't know where she is right now, what's happening for her, but I know that God still loves her, that he has an incredible plan for her and that she's still in his hands. You know, for a lot of you as parents, um, you've probably done these tough yards of journeying through kids that, journeying with kids that continue to make um, bad choices. And I just want to honour you and say just well done. You guys are amazing. Just, you know, just don't lose hope as well. God's got these incredible children in his hands and he's got plans to prosper them and not to harm them, to give them a hope and a future. We're just going to continue to believe with you for that. So those kind of investments, they carry a price of time and convenience and actually some pain as well, that pain of watching someone make um, make harmful decisions. 
But how much are we prepared to pay to love somebody? How much are we prepared to pay to show that we love someone? And do we attach a price tag to our love? Like, I'll only pay this much and no more. Or I'll pay maybe, like, you know, I could give, like, about $500 worth of effort to love that person. But to that person, I could give way more. You know, maybe it's a family member and usually we'd pay a lot higher price for them, usually. But what if it's a stranger? Do we look at them and and attach a, a price value to our love based on what they look like? or based on the skills that they have, or maybe based on what they could potentially do for us one day. Just have a wee look at these faces for a minute. Here we go. What kind of price of love would we be prepared to pay for these people? Take the older guy in the top row. How much love would you be prepared to show him? Maybe you'd be prepared to show the younger guy down the bottom, right-hand corner, more love than the guy above him. I don't know. It is so easy for us to form judgments on people, even based on nothing more than their looks. You can face, place judgments on them about their worth based on looking at them. Did you know that research has shown that all it takes for us to form a judgment on someone based on their facial appearance is a tenth of a second? That's how quickly we form a judgment. And the research also said that, you know, even by spending time with them afterwards, that usually not much changes about our first impression of someone. So like it or not, the appearance plays a powerful role in the way that we treat others and how we get treated. But scary, eh? Um, When I nursed in the surgical wards at St George's Hospital, I encountered so many different people. I got to nurse um, a lot of people, children, Parents, um, older people who were quite frail and at times scared, um, big kind of buff rugby playing people, rich people, people with not much money, um, people who were really grateful for anything I did for them, Um, some people who no matter what I did always wanted something done differently or always wanted more done, people who were beautiful, some not so much. People who were used to having others look after them and giving orders and people who just weren't used to having anyone do anything for them. And I was thinking back on all this and my goals in my nursing time and of course it was to provide um, the practical, the physical care that people needed and also to provide them with teaching and training on their surgeries. But my goal also was to form a heart connection with these people so that they would feel safe and secure in this environment and so that they could trust me. And my goals were to care for each person and to treat them with dignity and respect, like they deserved. And yes, I could still form that really quick judgment and that you know little millisecond of time, but then I needed to step past that and then move into the role of caring for them. And I know that nursing is different from usual day-to-day interactions, but just think about it for a minute. Just imagine what it could look like if every single person in here, all the Christians in this region, if each one of us made a decision that in every interaction with every person, we showed kindness and dignity and respect. I believe that this region could be changed through simple things like that, through simple acts of kindness. It might just look like a smile or a thank you. It might just be like showing good manners. Um, or asking someone how they're doing. You know, what would, we, what would happen if we moved past those first few milliseconds of judgment and asked God to help us to see the person through his eyes? 
Now, loving someone always carries a price. Always. There's always a cost. But that someone is priceless. We've always got to remember this. The person is priceless. Their value doesn't carry a price tag. And Father God, you know, he places infinite value on each one of us, on every person out here. John 3.16 says this so well. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The father was willing to pay everything because he loves us so much. Now, this wasn't about dollars. It was about the life of his own son. Now, what sort of cost are we prepared to pay for another person? Let's just look at our um, main passage today is John 13, and I want to um, start with John 13, verse 34. And it says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Aren't these just incredible verses, but there's a very high price tag on this. Loving everybody like Jesus did, it's not convenient it's selfless and it always looks like something. Now, Jesus, in every interaction with every person, he always met their need first. It cost him his time, his reputation, it also cost him his life. You know, this kind of love, this cannot come from ourselves, this has to come from God. So back to the verses. When we're reading scripture, it's a really good idea to look at the verses around um, the ones we're reading. So look back at the start of the chapter, and it begins with the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet. So let's go back to the start, and I'm going to read a little bit to you. John 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So let's just take a moment and look at this a little bit more in depth. So this is Passover time in Jerusalem. So you've got all the people that usually live in Jerusalem, plus a whole lot of visitors who have come, especially for the festival. So there'd be heaps of people. They would have all been clamoring to get to Jesus, maybe just to touch him or just to get a glimpse of him. They'll be tired. They're all a long way from home, the disciples and Jesus. It's springtime. The streets are probably a bit dry and dusty. They've got sandals on their feet. And, you know, they'll have dust, of course, on their feet, but I think they'd have a whole lot of other things on their feet. Maybe some food, maybe some animal excrement. Not such a nice thought. That would be there too. And they enter the room, and they just recline around the table. They notice on the wall there's a towel hanging up. On the floor there's a picture, a picture of water and a basin. You know, anyone could do the job of washing feet, usually the job of a servant, but there was nobody there to do it. So Jesus stands up, he removes his outer garment, he grabs the towel and places it around his waist, he picks up the water and the basin, and then he goes and kneels in front of the first disciple. Carefully he unties the sandal and gently puts the foot into the basin and pours over the cool, refreshing water. He begins to bathe the foot. When he's finished, he dries it with the towel. And then he moves on to the next person. 
Now, just to note, this job is a job that was reserved usually for the lowest of servants. Okay, this is not a nice job. So this is a job for the lowest servant. But we're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about the Son of God, the creator of the universe. He made everything from the most intricate shell on the beach to the highest mountain. From a tiny little insect to an incredible huge elephant. Stars, moon, planets, he designed all of this. He fashioned it with his hands. And now his hands are washing dirty feet. Now the Bible says that one day every knee will bow before Jesus and confess that he is Lord. But right now he's kneeling before his disciples, serving them. And his single concern, even though he's going to die very soon, is that he wants his disciples to know how much he loves them. And he shows that love by serving. So my second point this morning is that love serves. It is not afraid to get its hands dirty. Now, in our culture, we don't usually need to wash someone else's feet, but our love will require serving. And I know, especially for everybody out there who's a parent, you'll understand this quite well. As soon as your little person is born, then your life changes dramatically. You begin serving them through lack of sleep, through lots of time spent, through kind of like, I guess, giving who you are for another person. And yes, there's getting hands dirty involved too. And this week, on Monday night, early hours of Tuesday morning, I had a big time to get my hands dirty and with one of our children who wasn't well. And I'm not going to give you the details. Fortunately, I had gloves on most of the time. But this kind of cleaning episode took about an hour and included me unblocking the toilet at one o'clock in the morning. Um, and I had many more times in the next few days to get my hands dirty too. Not so much fun. Um, Mitch, also, if you want to ask him for a really great story on this, just ask him later. He's got a great story on looking after his little person and getting his hands dirty. All right, moving right along. Um, In John 13, back to that for a minute, verse 14, it says this, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now, Jesus served we should serve, and we love others through serving. So back to um, what we were talking about with the details of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, and I just want to pick up on something that Max Licardo writes about this. He says, you can be sure Jesus knows the future of these feet he is washing. These feet will dash for cover at the flash of a Roman sword. Only one pair of feet won't abandon him in the garden. Judas will abandon Jesus that very night at the table. Picture this a moment. What a passionate moment when Jesus silently lifts the feet of his betrayer and washes them in the basin. Jesus knows what these men are about to do. By morning, they're going to bury their heads in shame. They're going to look down at their feet in disgust. And Jesus wants them to remember when they look down at their feet just what he did for them, just how much he loved them. You see, Jesus knew what it was going to happen, yet he chose to move towards every one of his disciples in love. The power of his love for them was greater than the pain that they would cause. Third point this morning is that love is unconditional. You see, love places such a high value on another person that it's willing to pay whatever price without expecting anything in return or even knowing that the return could be pain. Now, I'm not talking about just having no boundaries here and letting people walk all over you because, you know, real love... Honouring ourselves and others has boundaries. 
But one of the costs of love is the possibility of pain. I don't think there's any better ex- story to explain the price of unconditional love than the story of Corrie Ten Boom. So I want to just share that with you for a minute. So for those who don't know, Corrie was a Christian lady. Um, and I guess she became really well known after the Second World War for what she did during the war and in the years after. So Corrie and her family lived in Holland. Um, and when the Nazis came and occupied Holland, they had Jewish people in their home. Unfortunately, Corrie and her family were discovered for what they were doing, and they were arrested. And Corrie and her sister Betsy became prisoners at Ravensbrück concentration camp. So fast forward a few years, 1947, and Corrie is speaking at a meeting in Germany, and she would go in from Holland and speak in Germany just on the forgiveness of God. And she says that back then, in a meeting, there wasn't like really any interaction with people. It was just quiet after a meeting. No questions were asked, and people would just quietly collect their things and then just leave the room. And I just want to pick up her story here, and I'll read a bit. It was in a church in Munich that I saw him, a balding, heavy-set man in a grey overcoat, a brown felt hat clutched between his hands. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken, moving along the rows of wooden chairs to the door at the rear. I'd come with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear. The solemn faces stared back at me, not quite daring to believe. And that's when I saw him, working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, the next a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the centre of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, how thin you were. This man had been a guard at the concentration camp where we were sent. Now he was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fraulein. How good it is to know that, as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And I, who had spoken so glibly of forgiveness, fumbled in my pocketbook rather than take that hand. He wouldn't remember me, of course. How could he amongst thousands of women? But I remembered him. I was face to face with one of my captors, and my blood seemed to freeze. You mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk, he said, saying, I was a guard there. No, he didn't remember me. But since that time, he went on, I've become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things I did there, but I'd like to hear it from your lips. Fraulein, again the hand came out, will you forgive me? And I stood there. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It couldn't have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition, that we forgive those who have injured us. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. It's an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Help, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, 
And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Isn't that an amazing story? I had a few tears when I was practicing this. That is unconditional love right there. <laughs> I don't know how somebody can love and forgive like that. Only it can come from God, really. And that's what she said. It required a step from her. She chose to forgive, but then she was infused with the power of God. You know, and this cost her. It cost her the right to hold on to that incredible pain. And I think we'd all say she had a right to hold on to that to hold on to the record of wrongs done against her and so many others. And this looked like something, though. It looked like forgiveness. Now, for us, are we prepared to love and get nothing in return? Are we prepared to love and when we all we get back is negativity or maybe no response, no thanks? Can we love when it hurts? The answer, with Jesus, yes. On our own, probably not. But with Jesus, we can. Now, Danny Silk says this. There's a good quote here. Powerful people can love without being loved back. Now, to love another without being loved back is loving without condition, the kind of love that Jesus showed continually. Just at the end of John chapter 13, back to that for a minute, Jesus is telling the disciples how he's only going to be with them for a short time longer. He's talking about his death and resurrection and returning back to the Father. And that's when this verse of John 13, 34 that we started with comes in. So I want to go back to that for a moment. This is from the Passion Translation. This is what it says. So I give you a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my followers. Notice that first word there. It says, so. The words before that are talking about Jesus returning to his father, and then it has so, or maybe we could replace the word with therefore. So Jesus is saying, because I have to go back to the father, therefore, it's up to you. It's up to us. It's our turn. Now we need to love each other just as much as Jesus has loved us. This will show the world that we belong to him. This is the commission that he gave us. You know, commission's not just a decision that we get to make. This is a command. Now, if you need an answer today, maybe you've been asking God, God, what's your will for my life? I know, you know, as a young person, I'd ask God that, God, what's, what's your will? And it starts here, loving God and loving others. Simple as that. So just as we wrap up today, this is the commission that he's still giving us today, to love each other, to love as Jesus loved. Love that values Love that doesn't depend on who the person is. It doesn't matter if they're a stranger or somebody we know well. Love that sees another person as priceless. Love that will always choose kindness. Love that serves and is prepared to get its hands dirty. Love that's unconditional and lets go of a record of wrongs. The kind of love that has to come from him. Like I said, this sort of love will cost us, but people are priceless. I just wonder, as, as we just close this morning, um, if we can just stand to our feet, and I'd just love to pray for you. Now, we've talked a lot about, we talk a lot in this church about the love of God because this is what this is all about. This is why we do what we do. This is why Glenn and I um, 
as senior pastors lead the church because of love, because God's loved us so much, because we want every single person who steps into this building to encounter the love of God for themselves. Like Glenn read out from Ephesians 3, that we would know this love to its its fullest measure. That's why we do what we do. And we do what we do as well, so that this region is going to be transformed by the love of Jesus. We talk about 10,000 people being transformed by the love of Jesus. But that comes at a cost from each one of us. And this morning, you know, like I said, that cost, we can't pay that just on our own. We need to be filled with the love of God so that we can then love others. This morning, you know, maybe you can identify with that, that, that sometimes maybe you, and I know I do this myself, we can pass judgments on other people. Or sometimes we'll go, oh yeah, I'll put a little bit of effort there, but maybe not as much there. But we want to be those people that are prepared to just say, hey God, whatever it takes. And if that's you this morning, then I'd just really like to pray for you. And maybe you just want to put a hand on your heart as we pray together this morning. God, we just thank you for the love that you have lavished on us. That you love us so much that you were prepared to even give us your son. And Jesus, that you love us so much that you were prepared to lay down your life for every single one of us. God, we thank you for that. We can never say enough thank yous for that. But God, just in this church today, God, as your people of Thrive Church, we want to be people that are prepared to pay the price, who are prepared to show the kind of love that costs us. God, we want to be people that see others through your eyes, not through our own filters or through judgments that we we might form. God, we want to see them through your eyes. And so we ask you for grace so that we can do this. And God, we ask you today to fill each one of us with your love that we can be so full of your love that it can't help but overflow to those around us. God, that your love will give us the strength and the grace that we need to love on other people. God, I ask you to do what you need to do in my heart and whoever else wants to make this your own, then do that. But God, do what you need to do in me so that I can love more like you did, Jesus. And God, just once again today, We just agree together for 10,000 people impacted by your love. 10,000 people in this region impacted by how incredible you are. And we just say yes to that assignment. Jesus' name. Just while we've got our eyes closed, I just don't want to leave the service without giving an opportunity of maybe you've hearing about the love of Jesus for the first time, or maybe you've heard it lots of times, but you've never experienced it for yourself. Maybe you've never known what it is to have your own relationship with God, and today you're just saying, actually, it's time. I want that for myself. You know, this life of belonging to God, it's about loving. It's about Him loving us first, and then it's just about us loving Him and others. And no, it's not going to be easy, but do you know what? We have the Creator of the universe We have the King of Kings here to help us, to empower us. And so this morning, just with every eye closed, if you just want to say today, God, I just want to, maybe for the first time, or I just want to recommit my life to you, God, I just want to belong to you. I want to be a follower of Jesus. And I just encourage you just to lift your hand to Him now, just right now. Just saying, God, 
I want to do this life with you. God, I want to be about your business. And God, I want to know your unconditional love for me. We're just going to pray a prayer together and just ask you just to repeat a line after me as we do this. And then we're going to just finish with a really quick song. They just say after me, Jesus, Jesus, I thank you, I thank you for the price that you paid for my life. For the price that you paid for my life. That nothing was too much. Nothing was too much for you to pay for me. For you to pay for me. And Jesus today, and Jesus today, I give you my life. I give you my life. I choose to um, come into relationship with you. Choose to come into relationship with you. I choose to make you my Lord and Savior. I choose to make you my Lord and Savior. I thank you that you forgive me and cleanse me. I thank you that you forgive me and cleanse me. And Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit. I thank you for your power. I thank you for your power. To enable me to live for Jesus. To enable me to live for Jesus. To fill me with the love of God. To fill me with the love of God. In Jesus' name. Awesome. Hey, thank you, church. And I just want to say thank you for the way that you do love. You are an amazing, amazing group of people. And we just continue to hear stories about the love that you show others. So thank you so much. And let's just continue to love as we go out of this place this morning. Let's just sing.